episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we're going to do a Super Bowl preview. That's right, the Kansas City Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl, and they're facing the San Francisco 49ers, a Super Bowl rematch. Different quarterback, but kind of similar vibes. I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, so it, this is going to be a lot of fun. If, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are Fountain City Sports Media. We cover the Kansas City Chiefs. But also what, what makes us unique is we also cover craft beer in America. Uh, Reese and I used to are, are former employees of some of the best craft breweries in America. And we share our stories about beer. We share the future of beer. And then we also review a beer. But because this is Super Bowl week, we have so much content to get to. We have so much Kansas City Chiefs knowledge to celebrate with you all that we will not be doing our beer review today. But please like us. Actually, Reese, tell tell us about social media and where they can find us and say they love that we talk about Brock Purdy and how he's pretty similar to Jimmy Garoppolo. How can they donate on Patreon after this episode? So if you want to donate to Patreon, which uh, goes to very important funds that this podcast uses for very important things. Uh, not crypto, not NFTs, not Ethereum. <laughs> well, maybe Ethereum. We'll find out. But uh, you can check us out at Patreon. What's a the- wait, 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 wait. What's Ethereum? <laughs> Ethereum is either a super like complex methamphetamine type drug, or it's a crypto <laughs> coin, which I still don't understand how crypto works. Like I guess people just get together and decide that crypto is worth something, so it's worth something. I don't know. There's there's actually something crazier. I forget. I, I don't even know what it's called. It's called like no. I I I don't even want to butcher it. But a friend of mine is in no. And my and my brother are investing in this crypto that has no value to it, and they also like don't pay for it. But but they're also investing in it to like see if it goes somewhere, like Dogecoin or anything. They they, they have to buy. They're essentially buying fake money and think that it's going to turn into money like like the next Dogecoin. So why can we trust you on this? Because I'm Tim Duncan. Just trust me, okay? <laughs> oh, poor Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> we're, just, we're just talking about how Tim just lost all his... Well, didn't just, but like in the last decade, he lost all his money. So he's going to recoup it in this fake crypto scheme. Okay, cool. Okay, it's called, it's called PiCoin. P-I-Coin. Get out of here. Okay, so anyway... <laughs> If you want to donate to us on Patreon, you can check us out at patreon.com backslash FCSM. That is FCSM. You'll get access to mini series, including season zero, the COVID season, the last dance, Michael Jordan documentary, and of course, Speedy and Angry, our 11 part in depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. You should also follow us on Instagram at Fountain City SM, where we post memes of what's going on in the NFL, what's going on in this podcast, and just general updates on the podcast. <laughs> speaking speaking about Michael Jordan Reese I am in Chapel Hill North Carolina right now um, I'm doing an, another opera actually an opera that I've done before but it has traveled to Carolina Performing Arts Center which is hosted here at UNC's campus and man this camp this campus is really nice it it's it's Reese's perfect dream because Reese is this Reese is a Midwest guy he loves the Midwest feel he loves the small town vibe but the indie vibe the sports culture some hipster restaurants and Reese this, this has it all man not only that but within like two hours of me landing in Chapel Hill I walk to the local brewery to get a burger and a beer, and who do I see? Hubert Davis, head coach of of the UNC Tar Heels. Man, like, Sick. What, are, what are the what are the chances that that I? That, by the way, there are a ton of restaurants here. I, I mean, there's like maybe within this couple blocks there has to be 10 restaurants mixture of like chipotles and and subways and stuff but also some like really cool you know north carolina based restaurants anyway out of all the restaurants i pick this one i walk in there i'm sitting next to this couple and then they start talking to the bartender and they they're like oh well we're 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 really excited for the show that's about to happen and i was like the show and i was like this doesn't look like it's going to be any musical theater numbers or like a jazz trio or anything a ton of people wearing UNC stuff, but I figured everyone is around here. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so everyone is like sitting around and I'm there for maybe an hour and I'm like, 
I can probably wait to see what's going on, but uh, screw it. So then I, I, I go to the bathroom, like right when I walk out of the bathroom, like Hubert Davis walks right past me and everyone stands up in the restaurant and gives him a standing ovation. Boo. <laughs> Boo. What are you talking about, man? Everyone in the restaurant stands up and gives him a standing ovation. Has he even won yeah, anything dude. there yet? Yeah, UN, UNC's ranked three right now. Has he won anything there yet? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, Reese, Reese, so hold on. To, to, to go from Roy Williams to to Hubert Davis being there, what? He's been there for, what, two, three years? And and they're, like, already back back at it? Was he the coach when they had, like, that Captain Caveman-looking guy and KU stomped him in the finals? Mm, yeah, I think I think that was his first year. Come on, Hubert. Come on. No, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting that he would get a standing ovation of applause like that. Yeah. Well, well. also, I think people purchase tickets to, like, sit in the area to meet him or something. So oh. it's also, like, people that... So, yeah, so I, I sat in this in this bar area where, where you didn't need tickets in advance. I was just chilling. But on, the on like, the main side of the restaurant, there were people sitting for whatever event this was supposed to be uh, sponsoring the... So I, I don't know if it was, like, the boosters or anything, but... Well, this might, this might make more sense then. Is this, like, one of those, like, weekly, like, coach radio shows maybe they do like the oh maybe actually yeah you're right because the, they 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 did have a mic and they did have one of those dropbacks that looked like he was going to do a, an interview or something oh 100 percent. so that's entirely different if he's like the master of ceremonies or like the weekly guest host and everyone's there to see him okay i thought it was just like if andy reed walked into like chipotle here and everyone just stood up and started applauding andy reed it'd be like i mean yeah of course if if you saw andy reed if andy reed was at pizza 51 and he's about to down some some barbecue wings you're not you're not giving him an applause i mean noel saw I'm, him at, I'm, I, I'm like bowing to andy reed if i see him noel allegedly saw him at 64th street chipotle and nobody applauded. Really? So either that wasn't Andy Reid, or people are more based here. I don't know. It's, it's probably Matt Black, the uh, the Andy Reid impersonator. Him, I have met. He came in through the brewery when I was still working at Boulevard. So that was that was cool. That was cool. It was like Alex Smith era too. Philly came to town with Carson Wentz. Yeah, I've 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 sung with Matt. Matt's a Matt's an opera singer. Yes, right. You told Wait, me you've, that. you've you've probably sung with Matt. Before. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. No. <laughs> There's two Andy Reid impersonators, aren't there? Isn't there the one that used to work in the the one who works in the opera, and there's the one who like originally is from Philly and has been doing this since like Andy was an eagle. Mm, I only know of the opera singer guy in Kansas City. I'm, I don't I'm, know about the other guy. I'm gonna stat this up here. What, what's Wait, the dude's Reese, name again? We're, um, his name is Matt Black. Were you? Yeah, you were in um, Elixir. I'm pretty sure he was in Elixir. There are totally two different fake andy reads but i think i think matt is the most famous one currently i think is steve obadashian definitely not him i am pretty sure it's steve obadashian let's see he does not look matt matt clears steve but it was definitely steve that i met oh wait hold on let's see Sorry, this is this is Super Bowl worthy stuff. I mean, this is this is Chiefs, this is Niners, this is Super Bowl. We're, um, not only do we do, a, do an in-depth deep dive of the Fast and Furious franchise, but we do an in-depth deep dive of Andy Reid impersonators. I lied. So I think I met Chris Wilhelm. Wait, wait. There's there's three of them. Yeah, but like all Matt, very different names. But like Matt clears all of them. Like Matt looks like Andy Reid. These other two dudes look like guys dressing up as Andy Reid. And it's like, yeah, you know, you're big dudes with mustaches and glasses. It works. But no, Matt, everyone look up. Look up Matt here. Matt looks like Andy Reid. I think we should sponsor a, a pay-per-view cage match of Andy Reid impersonators. There can only be one. We'll charge like $10. It'll be in the back of, um, of uh, City Barrel in the parking lot. Dude, I totally agree. We should 100% do this. Shout out, shout out to Matt Black. I, he's probably going to the Super Bowl. He went to the last Super Bowl. That wouldn't shock me, dude. He's a. See, this, this is why I don't think it's the one I met. Because this article says Matthew Black is a lifelong Chiefs fan, meaning that Reed's arrival in KC was more destiny, or more, it was destiny more than happenstance. The other guy that I met specifically is an Andy Reed fan. So he's like, 
I'm still an Eagles fan, but I'm also a Chiefs fan because Andy's with the Chiefs now. Uh-huh. So, no, Matt Speaking Clues. of Phillies, <laughs> Phillies fan, I I just went to Philly a couple days ago. Yeah. Reese, I went to Angelo's Pizzeria in South Philly. Oh, got yeah. Got me a Philly cheesesteak. Mm-hmm. One of one of the best foods I've ever had in my life. Wait, really? A Philly cheesesteak at a pizzeria? Yeah, so so not like so not like best meals like you know creme brulee or salmon glaze, but just standard things that I've had. You know, like pizzas, cheesesteaks. This is by this is definitely top five, if not top three, best foods I've ever had. Dude, I believe it. Like I said, the best foods are ones that you can get outside of the region, but they're like pathetic unless you're in the region. Barbecue mm. being another example. That's why I put KC barbecue, Memphis barbecue, all that in such high stead. Because you can get barbecue in Iowa, you can get barbecue in California, but it's just like milk toast compared to when you're in a barbecue yeah. mecca, or you're in a Philly cheesesteak mecca, or you're in a Chicago deep dish mecca. <laughs> not not yeah. Chicago deep dish. By the way, I am like two blocks away from a famous North Carolina barbecue place. I think you say North Carolina deep dish. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> be so gross. I mean, much like Carolina barbecue, be so gross. But anyway, what's it called? I don't know. North Carolina. It's just like North Carolina barbecue. Exactly. Yeah, man. It's called Chapel Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's what I'm doing, Reese. Uh, hey, do you want to tell us any anything? Um, I know you just went to the uh, to the uh, Nelson Art Museum fundraiser, right? Yeah. Did I tell you about that? That was a party art. No. What, how did you figure that out? Party Artie? Well, you no, you told me that you were going. Dude, it, it was good. It was good. Party Artie is a big deal in Kansas City. It's like the Young Friends of Art big fundraiser gala. So they kind of have like two massive events. They have Shuttle Cork in the summer, and that's the one where like the people that have wings named after them, you know, have tickets and host dinners for that. Uh, Party Artie is for the young friends of art, you know, who will hopefully one day be those people, you know, donating money to that degree. But it's it's super cool, dude. It's it's everything that you think it is. It's like a rager in a museum. But rager is disingenuous because this is too classy to be a rager. But like they had a DJ like with a with like a full LED light show booth screen thing going on behind him. Shout out DJ Joe. Uh, they also had like a bunch of different photo booths, but they weren't just, you know, like, ha ha photo booth. It was like one of those 360 degree panoramic photo booth things. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are fun. One of those. They had like this like awesome uh, kaleidoscope photo booth sort of thing catered in food. There was dancing uh, beer brought to you exclusively by our friends at City Barrel Brewing in the crossroads. Oh, cool. I didn't I didn't know that Nelson and City Barrel had a uh, connection. They got a tight connection. They actually uh, they make a, a single hop pale ale that I think is one of their best sellers that was designed for the Nelson. Uh, not too different from like Pseudo Sue. You know, like Pseudo Sue is kind of like for the Field Museum. They made, yeah. they made one called Creative Juice for the Nelson. Uh, they've been doing it now for a couple of years. And I actually have Juice. one in my fridge, so it's it's good. Oh, that's solid. All right, yeah. well, congrats to the Nelson. Congrats to a fun time. And Reese, congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs for advancing again to the Super Bowl. Why don't we go right into it? I want us to focus on what are, what are Kansas City's strengths, and um, how can we expose this 49ers team? So not necessarily what are the big storylines, but but how can Kansas City really take advantage of this matchup? And I think, Reese, the, the marquee of this is going to be this Kansas City defense against a seventh-round pick and MVP candidate Brock Purdy. Reese, I was watching this uh, 49ers-Lions game, and I watched some of the 49ers-Packers game, too, because we've seen two instances of the 49ers not at their best. Like like this this team not not that they're necessarily scrapping by to get the, get to the Super Bowl, but they definitely 
have a lot of holes recently in the past two weeks. And it and I'm sorry, but both these teams are not juggernauts. Both these teams are not supposed to be teams that the 49ers are scraping by to beat, right? The Jordan Love Packers are going to be great, but they're not there yet. The Lions, a great team. I think they're Super Bowl ready, but they have no experience, right? 49ers didn't play the uh, Eagles, right? Didn't, didn't play these teams that do have experience and ready to play in the Super Bowl. But the 49ers were struggling, Reese, and Brock Purdy, if we can expose his weaknesses, I think we stand a great chance. Some things that I saw that were his weaknesses, Reese. Actually, let's talk about his strengths first, just to kind of get that out of the way. Brock, Brock Purdy stays in the pocket and will get hit. And 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 he but but he's he gets hit and he throws it. And I think that is a good thing for Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy also sometimes can scramble out of the pocket and make plays. Not at his MO, but when the when the time matters the most, he can definitely do a little bit of improv. But Reese consistently, he is one of the slowest throwers I have ever seen on a playoff team. There is no zip on that ball. Almost every pass, I'm not even talking 20-yard pass, I'm talking 5 to 10 yards, those look like rainbows, Reese. Not not frozen ropes. Those look like rainbows, and a lot of those to his detriment. Uh, particularly in the Lions game, we saw we saw that awful interception that he had in the middle of the field. Um, so, Reese, if if we can expose that, which is our strength in this in this Spags defense, having our guys play man, having you know Sneed right on Debo's hip, having Trent McDuffie on on Ayuk's hip, hip, there's no way Brock, even with time, can hit these guys with another guy very close. So, I think if we're able to force Purdy to throw, I kind of said this in the last podcast, Reese, but. I don't think it's going to be close. So let's start with Brock Purdy, seeing as we've kind of opened this Pandora's box. What sucks about this is that if we lose to this team, it will forever be this demerit on Pat's resume that you lost Ooh. a Super Bowl to Brock Purdy. Right. It's like Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Brock Purdy. But the thing is, like, you know, Brady has his demerits, too. Like, Brady lost a Super Bowl to Nick Foles, you know? A sure. Nick Foles. And who, Eli. Yeah, played. And Eli twice. Some people say Eli's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think he should be. I think he will, though. But Brock Purdy is a completely different breed. You know what Brock... Like, this this hit me the other day. So, back to the future. The doc's in the bathroom. He falls, hits his head on the sink, comes up with the concept for the flux capacitor. Very uh-huh. similar thing, except I'm sitting at my desk watching YouTube, and it just hits me. Brock Purdy's comparison. Are you ready for this? Oh no! Wait, let me let me guess before you say it. Brock Purdy's comparison is gonna be like Dan Dan Orlovsky or something. So you talked about how he can throw the ball. Like he can throw the ball, but like he doesn't have a sure. strong arm. You Stays know. in the pocket, pretty accurate, but yeah, no, not a strong arm. I present to the jury two quarterbacks, both six foot one. Two quarterbacks, one's 220, one's 225. Two quarterbacks that can throw a ball downfield, not necessarily very strong, not necessarily super accurate. Do you know which quarterback I compare Brack Purdy to? I think you might be comparing him to Joe Burrow. Brock Purdy is just Rex Grossman with wow. Wow. Brock Purdy Wait, didn't, is just didn't, didn't Rex, Rex Grossman. Grossman make it to the Super Bowl? Didn't Brock Purdy make it to the Super Bowl? There, look at look at that comparison. I mean, definitely no Brian Urlacher's on that defense, but uh, in 49ers, but that's that's the one difference. That's the one difference. A the eras they play in. So this is like a oh my gosh, almost a 20 year difference in era in, in terms of making the Super yeah. Bowl. Not crazy. And it was still a very like the, the rules to favor the offense weren't really in place yet at that point. It was two thousand. Who did Rex have on offense other than like Devin Hester? I couldn't tell. Like Devin Hester, maybe like was, who was Matt catching Forte the ball there. Brandon uh, Marshall? No, I don't think Brandon Marshall. So, so here's my point, though. That's exactly my point. Sorry, yeah, no, I was. <laughs> no, no, Rex Grossman was like an absolute turnover machine. Like the one year he was a full time starter, twenty picks. But when he's thrown wow. to all these like absolute bag boys, 
You know, it's like, what what's he supposed to do? Whereas Brock Purdy, as we've mentioned, is absolutely baby-proofed with the best yeah. tight end in this year, in this game, with Debo Samuel, the do-it-all wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, a top-20 wide receiver, an S-tier fullback, the best left tackle in the game. I'm sure I'm already missing some other people on that offense Christian McCaffrey. Here. Oh, my gosh, Christian McCaffrey, the best running back <laughs> the best in the running game. best running back in the NFL. <laughs> Dude, it's like... Uh, if Rex Grossman had that squad, they may have beaten Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm, I'm really interested now in like who he had to throw to. This is really interesting. So while, Rex Grossman, while you, yeah. while you, oh, sorry, you're already there. No, not not important enough. What are you talking about? Okay, while while you're looking it up, I'm just going to say one stat to also diminish the accomplishments of Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's rate of negatively graded dropbacks was 23% this year, particularly actually in the postseason, which would have been the worst rate of all quarterbacks with 200 dropbacks in the regular season. So essentially saying Brock Purdy would have been the worst quarterback in the NFL based on the past two games that he's played oh bruh are you for real yeah like that's that's how bad this this packers game was and that's how bad that lions game was you and i were kind of talking actually i'll I'll let you finish the stat but but you and i were talking about this lions game and how a lot of things had to go brock's way in the second half in order for them to to beat the detroit lions it wasn't necessarily that it was a new brock purdy in the second half there were a lot of things that went their way like it's still the same brock purdy he didn't he didn't turn into michael vick quarters three and four Rex Grossman. <laughs> Rex Grossman had the arsenal of Thomas Jones at running back. Who? Desmond Clark, Bernard Berrien, Musi Muhammad, Jason oh, yeah, McKee, Rashid right. Davis, and Cedric Benson. Yikes. Are are any of those guys starting on the 49ers? <laughs> I think Moosey was a pro bowler at one point, maybe not that year, but no, your answer is no. Bruh. Now, where <laughs> Rex Grossman was carried by having that Bears defense was really nasty. Sure. Was yeah, like all time. really, really nasty. Mm-hmm. So he had that going for him. But in terms of offense, he didn't have this all-star squad of Avengers able to prop him up the way Brock Purdy does. So we're talking keys to the game. Brock Purdy does not do well under pressure, right? He doesn't What's do well, his- but but he'll also stay and, and, and make a throw and get darted, which probably, if he's getting darted 10 times, he's probably going to make two really good completions. Now, has he gotten darted and played a defense that has a secondary like ours? Ravens, maybe? And you know what happened when they played the and Ravens? Got, yeah, he got rocked. Four interceptions, dude. Four interceptions. Now, I think one of the X factors for this game and people have been talking about this, is last week against the Lions was the first time that he wasn't afraid to run. It's interesting. When he scrambles... I mean, he, had, he, he, had two, he had two good runs. Fine. So does so does Rex Grossman, right? Every full moon. Rex Grossman, man, running that 5.08 40-yard dash. That's the one Look, thing Reese, Purdy's if, got on. Reese, if, if, if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl because he ran it on us, then I'm not upset because I don't think any of us saw that coming. Like like if <laughs> if all of a sudden we're we're playing man and there's a gap in the middle of the field and Brock decides to run, I don't think I'm pissed off at Spags because of that. Like, yeah, if he runs fine, but that that that's that's not gonna win the game. Is my I wanna see Drew Tranquil turn him to chalk dust. That's all I know. Oh. Just like one just absolute <laughs> form tackle to the hip, like breaks his hip. <laughs> Oh, be so great. Be so great. You know what sucks is that we don't have our former co-host Kyle on here to defend his boy, the pride of I Iowa know, State, I know, this is man. his guy, and he's been texting us too. I've been saying it all year. We saw what happens when Purdy gets put under pressure. He's no longer golden boy Brock Purdy. I think we're going to have to get some interceptions in this game. Yeah. I'm not sure we will. I don't know if we will, though, because we talked about this last hmm. week. I think Shanahan's going to have a game. excuse me, have a game plan cooked up where it's going to be feeding Christian McCaffrey, play action, or if Brock does drop back, the ball's out of his hand in under two seconds. I mean, just absolute dink and dunk. And I think that could work. But I don't, I don't think you can run that same game plan the entire game. I think a credit to Spags is that Spags is very good at adjusting in a game. I feel like if... 
is say say Christian McCaffrey has a hundred yards in the first half. Spags doesn't let that happen in the second half. You know what I mean? Or in the sense that you know Debo is is getting a ton of screens. He's getting a lot of yards after the catch. Happens in the first half. Not going to happen in the second half. What I what I think is going to happen is all the things that you're saying are going to happen maybe quarter one, quarter two. But then this defense is going to shift into making Brock Purdy make throws down the field. Going to be one on one Ayuk and McDuffie, one on one Debo and Lajarius Sneed, and going to force Brock to play there was only one deep shot that Brock made um, against the Detroit Lions and it was and he way overthrew him like it was it was a horrible throw so I think that ends up being the game plan I think that Brock will be successful at certain points like I said but at the end of it it's it's gonna come down to can Brock Purdy make some plays down the field to win the game I think the big thing for the Chiefs is somehow getting pressure with only a four-man front yeah especially with <laughs> all these key. weapons that san fran has that's why i'm so upset that charles menahue's out because now it's gonna say you know who do we start at that uh right defensive end position opposite george karloftis so we're gonna put mike dana out there are we gonna throw felix and dike uzama out there and see if he's got what it takes um you know i think a key in that battle is going to be you're gonna have Trent Williams lining up left tackle, which is, you know, right defensive end. Yeah. I would say you line your backup up to him yeah. and, and just, you just, yeah, just let him. Just, just play dummy the entire game. Absolutely. Sacri- sacrifice. Have one of the linebackers cheat <laughs> mm-hmm. on that side to help, you know, set the edge if they're going for a run play. Get, get Chris Jones as far away from that guy as possible. Well, and, and even then, it's like uh, San Francisco's offensive line is actually fairly suspect, particularly at the right tackle position. So if you want to line Chris Jones up as a defensive end in this game and let yep. him absolutely feast on Purdy, it's like that could be really beneficial in our you know game plan as well. Chris Chris has done that uh, um, actually I think two or two or three times this season where I've seen him line up at defensive end where he gets the matchup and is just constantly just playing checkers with with whatever the matchup is and it seems to be working it's not it's not like he was cooking particularly in that game but again if, if we can get one you know two sacks from Chris Jones or maybe even like a strip sack um, that that changes the entirety of the game Brock Purdy has to play a perfect game in order to win this like again they have a lot of strengths on this team, but but I don't think Christian McCaffrey can run 200 yards down the field in the Super Bowl against Spags. Maybe he has 100, maybe he has 150, but I don't think they're they're going to run it to Christian McCaffrey 50 times. I think eventually they will be able to stop him, just like we've stopped a couple other people. But I totally agree, Reese. If we can get some matchups for Chris Jones, it's going to be amazing. Speaking about amazing, Reese, let me read one stat about this Kansas City Chiefs defense. The yep. Chiefs can become the second team in 50 years to allow 27 points or fewer in every game on their path to the Super Bowl. The only other team that's done that is the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People sleep on that 02 Buccaneers defense. It's not 2000 Ravens. That's great because that was who was who was their quarterback? It was like Rex Grossman Jr. (laughs) Who was their quarterback? I'm I'm trying to remember how this went. I think it was Rich Gannon because I think that was kind of the thing was like we we kept Elvis Gerback instead of Rich Gannon and then Rich Gannon wound up like winning. No, dude. Wait, what? Brad Johnson. Oh, it was Brad Johnson. You're right. You're right. Gerback won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, but like so did Trent Dilfer. They were like doing right. the switch swap thing that year. So, yeah. <laughs> the old the old switch and swap. Yeah, but no, that's, that's a good point, dude. The the 02 Bucks were really nasty, and dude, I tell you what, uh, their offense wasn't that good this year, but they still dropped like a forty plus burger on the Raiders in that Super Bowl, didn't they? Yeah, I'm well, this well up. no, even even though it was Brad Johnson, they still had great weapons. They had Keyshawn, they had Mike Allstat, like ton of great talent on that offense. That is true. That is true. It was just it was just Brad Johnson. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Brad Johnson's the man. Sorry. I got like bronchitis. They've given me meds. We'll see if I can get better. Bronchitis and Brad Johnson, baby. All right. So I think think we've squashed 
Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, I think, is going to have to throw the ball to win the game. I think Brock Purdy is fool's gold. I don't think that Brock Purdy can can stay in the pocket, make plays an entire four quarters against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, now, where now? Why don't we stay on this side of the ball and then we can switch over to the other side? Now, where where we can have some trouble is going to be Christian McCaffrey. Like I said, Christian McCaffrey had let's see, ninety eight yards on the ground with. 30 yards in the air against the Packers and then he had 90 yards on the ground against the Lions with 42 yards in the air against the Lions so Reese I think I think this this matchup of can can we stop Christian McCaffrey and I think we can but but can we hold him to 100 yards is kind of my mo if we can hold him to 100 yards make Brock pretty throw Hopefully this is going to be a game for us, not close. Um, that, that's going to be really interesting. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey is probably going to eat, right? I mean, do we yeah. just kind of... Yeah, uh, I mean, but actually, while while you do your Christian McCaffrey take, I, I do want to go back because I feel like during this season, I feel like we've stopped some really good running backs. I just can't think of them right now, but I feel like Spags does have a, a a potion. He has, he has a special script when facing elite running backs. And I feel like we've attacked them this year. That's fair. Another important thing to remember too, is over these last two playoff games, uh, you know, the, the defenses they've put points up on and have managed to come back on, we're not good defenses. Like the Lions defense was straight up a liability. Like I, I was texting my Lions friend. He's just like, dude, our defense is so sus. Like I wouldn't be shocked if we blew this. And they wound up blowing it. And like the Packers defense, you know, it was a Joe Barry led defense, which as we've seen is like he's playing Ask Madden every play. There's no rhyme or reason. And, you know, they, they weren't really a lockdown D. So the Niners were able to move the ball and score against both those teams when it really came down to brass tacks. The question is, can they do that against our defense if we manage to make it a one-dimensional game for them? If we can somehow, knock on wood, get up enough that it's a Brock Purdy passing game, what does it look like then? I don't think they're going to be able to come back down 10-plus if it's a one-dimensional passing offense with Brock Purdy. Okay, I, Reese, I I went back and looked at um, some recent games that we played that have some pretty good running backs, and it looks pretty good. So let's go back to the Bengals game. We have Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon only 65 yards on the ground, and he carried it 21 times. I, I wouldn't say that's stopping him, but that's that's pretty good. Brees Hall against the Jets, who really didn't have any option other than to... to um, to hand off the ball, Brees Hall, 56 yards. I also forgot Zach Williams had 245 yards that game for two touchdowns. Ugh, pass. <laughs> that game sucked. Here, now, uh, now let's talk about the uh, the uh, Frankfurt game. The Frankfurt game actually was pretty good for them. Uh, Raheem Moster had 85 yards on the ground with one touchdown. But even even then, if if we take that game as right now being the most effective running game that against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm okay with Christian McCaffrey having 85 yards on the ground with one touchdown. That's oh, yeah. that's that's not going to win you the Super Bowl, right? Miami Dolphins had 14 points that game that Raheem Moster had 85 yards on the ground. Um, now juxtapose that that Dolphins team in the playoffs, Raheem Moster only 33 yards on the ground. Um, and then we also talk about uh, the Buffalo Bills, the recent matchup that we had. Their biggest rusher was Josh Allen with 72 yards on the ground. So no one has like blitz. I mean, no one has dominated us on the ground this year, Reese. Although I, this isn't a great rushing defense, it's not like we're going to see Christian McCaffrey knock on wood have 200 yards on the ground. Again, if we can hold him to a hundred, which it seems like we've hold, we've held almost every running back to a hundred yards race. If we can do that, I think we're going to be okay. It's going to be really interesting too, because San Francisco ranks really high in a lot of different metrics. They are uh, top two in total offense this year, top five in passing offense, top five in rushing offense, top three in scoring offense but here's the thing let's look at the top five scoring offenses in the league this year right so we played the we didn't get to play the cowboys who were number one we played the dolphins they averaged 29.2 a game we held them to seven the ravens who averaged 28.4 per game we held them to 10 
The Lions, who averaged 27.1 per game, our defense held them to uh, 13 points. No, 14 points, technically. We lost 21-20. The Bills, who averaged 26.5 a game, we held them to 24. The Eagles, who averaged 25.5 per game, we held them to... Where's that on here? Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. We held the Eagles to 21 points. Uh, and I just listed you, not counting the Cowboys and Niners, two, four, five, six, and seven in the top scoring offenses wow. in the league. Wow. So, you know, I think a lot of these high scoring offenses you see, a lot of them are in the NFC Cowboys, Niners, Lions, Eagles, Rams. And what did we find out this year? There really wasn't a NFC good sucks. defense in the NFC this year. They were more of an offensive-focused league, but there also weren't really any good defenses. So it might be a little mm-hmm. easy for them to inflate some of these stats by getting to go against weaker defenses for the better part of a regular season. Yeah, no, and and also to boost our numbers, right? We held a lot of these elite teams to good numbers. We also got the best from all these teams, right? We got you know a Buffalo Bills team that was ready to kick our ass. We had the hottest offense in in Miami, not only in the playoffs but also in Frankfurt. In Frankfurt, we we held them to fourteen points, you know. So so not only are we getting some of the greatest offenses, but we're getting them at their absolute best, and we were able to not shut them down, but able to contain. Again, we just we just need to contain, play a clean game, and I don't think this is close. Reese, is there anything else on the defensive side for us or the offensive side for the 49ers that you want to talk about? Um, I think Willie Gay suiting up and being healthy is going to be really big. You know, he is our most athletic linebacker and he probably would be asked to be put on Kittle in coverage in some positions. I'm a little worried. Uh, we'll see if Nick Bolton can be our Patriot missile and tackle Christian McCaffrey. I think his lack of athleticism was on display against the Ravens last week a little bit. Um, but well, well, I'm 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 gonna push back there a little <laughs> bit. What what you're referring to is when Bolton played in coverage. Well, no, even getting beat to the corner. He's I mean, and this isn't a fault on the guy. Like this is something we knew coming out of college is that he's a super right. intelligent, great tackling linebacker. He's just not very athletic. So fair, you know. So long as they're not trying to beat us to the edge, which you know, someone like Debo might, which someone like McCaffrey might. Yeah, do but but uh, 49ers run defense is very vertical, like it's very up and down. Yeah, uh, but but you're right with with Debo. Debo is very lateral, left and left and right. I, I think another big thing too is going to be you know we love to get defensive backs on the field. I mean, we don't run something like what is it a five two two or whatever or what's that one two five two the weird offense that everyone's running in college right or defense everyone's running in college uh, i don't know ask ask uh, david <laughs> and his new and his new dc from bc man I, I got dc from bc i love it um so i i think if we can make this a game where we force them into obvious passing downs and we can get some of our defensive backs on the field who we talked about are the most impressive units of this defense safeties and cornerbacks that's when we feast. That's when Spags can call some of these exotic blitzes that can just like throw Purdy for a loop. I'm really curious to see what we wind up doing. All right, Reese. Well, I think I think that sums up the 49ers offense and our Kansas City Chiefs defense. Like, I think I think those are the biggest things to recap, right? The Brock Purdy, make sure we contain Christian McCaffrey, make sure that our linebackers show up. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a great game on that side of the ball. I think what's the most, interest, most interesting thing is going to be what happens on the other side of the ball and what happens uh, with Patrick Mahomes and that, and that strange 49ers off it, or defense. So let's go ahead and take a little break right now, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about the old Patrick Mahomes, the old Travis Kelsey, maybe even some Taylor Swift. I don't know. Stay tuned. You'll see if we talk about her. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We just wrapped up the 
Brock Purdy side of the ball, and now we're going to talk about the Patrick Mahomes side of the ball. That's right. We got MVP, superstar, the GOAT, Patrick Mahomes on the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, Reese, actually, why don't we dive, divert from that really quickly? Have you heard about the 49ers complaining about um, about their practice field at, at, at UNLV and how the Chiefs get to practice at the Raiders facility and how they're making that a big deal before the game? Dude, what aren't they making a big deal before this game? Right, and then the holding they, like, stuff, too, if you, if you guys they, haven't heard about that. The team owner complains and says that thing about how, uh, yeah, I remember, you know, last game, I remember uh, Nick Bosa getting held. Even though you can look this up, the 49ers official fan blog debunked that after that Super Bowl on why it was not a hold. If they're going to call every rip move a hold, then, like, all you have to do is get your arm over the defender and it's just an automatic holding. How stupid can you be? So then Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, they ask him, you know, like, what are you looking forward to about, like, you know, what do you know about the Chiefs offense when you play him? And he's up there acting like someone just, like, murdered his dog and kidnapped his wife. And he's like, they hold a lot. They hold a lot. And it's just like that punk narrative they're trying to get in the ear of the officials who by the way the team of bill vinovich is the same officiating squad as the last time we played in the super That's bowl right. so you know they're gonna be like hey bill you screwed up last time do yeah, better this time, this bill. time. Call you, really fouls, think, bill. you really think bill vinovich is gonna say oh you're right i need to work on that Dude, if I was Bill Vinovich, I'm hoping he's like their Carl Sheffers, and he's like, yo, shut your crying mouths, you like sons of guns. Uh, I can't say anything worse than that in the podcast. Him, That's not what I want watch to say. Watch him call like de- de- defensive holding on Nick Bosa first play of the game. I would be so happy. <laughs> so according to a CBS report, the 49ers are 2-4 and four in games that Vinovich wow. has officiated, while the Chiefs are 5-2. and two. Vinit to win it. So the second thing is, you're talking about them complaining, oh my gosh, the practice field is too soft. Dude, did UNLV not just like update their facilities or something like that in the last five years in an effort to make it to a Power 5 conference? Right. They're not they're not playing at like Colorado State's facility. They're not playing at New Mexico State's facility. Or even, they're playing or even Arizona State University's facility where the Chiefs had to practice while the Eagles were at the Cardinal Stadium. Thank you. So when we were the away team last year, we weren't complaining about it. But I guarantee you now the 49ers are gonna make a stink and the rules are gonna get changed in the offseason that they have to share the practice facilities or whatever it is. So what's next? Are they going to be like, oh my gosh, the Chiefs get to wear their red jerseys and red is easier to see than white. This is so not fair. Cry about it. I am so happy that our owner, Clark Hunt, and our coach, Andy Reid, and our GM, Brett Veach, are such class acts that you would never catch them Mm -mm. complaining about stuff that has not even happened like the 49ers are trying to set this precedent and make excuses. Look, here's what the deal is. If they win with Brock Purdy, that entire organization, from the owner to John Lynch to Shanahan, get a pat themselves on the back and say, oh, look at us. You know, we, we knew Brock Purdy was special, which is why we waited until the very last pick of the draft to draft him. And they're going to say, oh, we knew this was we knew this was the right thing versus if they lose suddenly the narrative is why were you starting Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback? Why, by the way, did you mortgage our future of draft picks on Trey Lance, who isn't even here anymore? And it reopens up those wounds. The Niners and that entire crew know they are in for a world of problems if they lose this Super Bowl. So that's why it's so soft that they're complaining about soft turf. And that's why you have to hold them accountable that they're complaining about holding. They are already trying to set the narrative and make excuses. Yeah, it's it, this is very similar to the Baltimore Ravens um, complaining, talking crap, uh, pregame shenanigans where it makes me feel like the the Ravens were actually afraid to play the Chiefs like they it was kind of false confidence where I feel like the 49ers are already scared like you said there's huge implications for the 49ers to win this one as opposed to for Patrick Mahomes in in the case that we lose this game we go okay well we definitely 
had one of the worst offenses that we've ever had before. Let's go ahead and revamp that. But Pat's won two Super Bowls. This isn't going to ruin him. Where Kyle Shanahan, if he loses this, it's his third Super Bowl that he's lost. One that he had a huge lead. Actually, both had had leads for um, in the Falcons and, of course, against us. So this looks bad on Shanahan if he loses this game. And also to kind of add to what you're saying, not to tangent too much, but I think this is important where you have a guy like Kyle Shanahan who is probably one of the most egotistical coaches that we have out there and this is yes. one of the egotistical moves that he makes where he goes I don't I don't need to sign a guy in the offseason like a like a Josh Dobbs or anything like that I I can figure this offense out on my own I can get a guy in the seventh round. I don't need a quarterback. I just need my plays, my success. I need a guy like Debo Samuel. So I think this was a very egotistical move by Kyle and something for his ego, right? He needs to win this in order to prove himself as, because if he wins this and wins this with a Brock Purdy, he's going to say, I'm better than a Bill Belichick with Tom Brady. I'm better than an Andy Reid with a with a Patrick Mahomes. I'm I'm one of the best. So it's a pretty interesting narrative and also a lot of weight to carry if you're a guy like Kyle Shannon juxtaposed to the Kansas City Chiefs um, I remember this week a, a a reporter was trying to bait Travis Kelsey to talk about George Kittle and how this matchup you know he's playing so much better this year than Travis and Travis goes yeah this this dude is one of my friends like I'm so honored to be you know matched up against him again I mean just things that like Nick Bosa would never say that right Jed York would never say that John Lynch maybe I actually am okay with John Lynch but but you guys you, you got guys on the other side just talking crap and like you said we have a we have a pretty formidable professional disciplined front office and players which is really cool uh Reese and it looks like we have a pretty disciplined knock on wood offense this playoff season things th- seem to be going pretty well on the offense so Reese why don't why don't we talk about that I'm going to talk about one particular scheme thing and then I'll let you let you talk. But I've, I'm actually going to steal this from Dan Orlovsky and also Kurt Warner. Both I've, I've read um, both of their articles on this talking about how the Kansas City Chiefs can expose that zone, that like high shell that the 49ers play and use something called that three level offense where you got you put three guys on one side. You got one guy um, right in the flat. You got one guy in the middle and you got one guy up top. So that that when you play a zone and the 49ers start to crowd either a Kelsey, either a Rasheed Rice, or either a, even a McCole Hardman or MVS, then you have so much space. And what's great about this Kansas City Chiefs offense <laughs> is that it plays right into the, the 49ers' weakness, which is if you can get their linebackers to play coverage in the middle, Kelsey will find the spots. Like Kelsey will definitely find those spots in the middle, or if he can't, then Rasheed will be in the flat with no one there. And we saw the Lions expose that. We saw the Packers expose that. So, Reese, I think keys to the game is going to be put three guys on one side, let one go high, one go middle, one go low. And typically, Kelsey's probably going to get open, even though they know they're they're watching for him. But if you got three guys, make them spread apart. This could be a really good matchup for us. It's going to be really interesting to see how they approach us on defense because we eat zone for breakfast and we kind of seem to struggle against man, particularly like we said, when Kelsey gets doubled we, outside, maybe Rashi Rice. We have nobody on that side of the ball that can beat a guy one on one. But the flip side of that is the Niners defense doesn't necessarily have the dogs to play man defense, nope. which is why they hide behind zone as often as they do. They like to approach things with a four-man front, which against our offensive line might not work as well. I think that's another kind of key to the game we got to talk about here, too, is the injuries we're going to be facing because Joe Tooney, to the best of my knowledge, is going to be out for the Super Bowl. So we got yep. Nick Allegretti back who played, in there. Who played great. <clears throat> who played great against the Ravens. Played very good against the Ravens. Does very good in pass protection, not as good in run protection. Why is that an issue? Isaiah Pacheco, as we talked about recently, he's now suffering from turf toe is the diagnosis. I don't have that officially, but yeah, I guess. But I mean, he's in indication he's playing and it hasn't seemed to be a big issue last week or a chatter this week. I'd be curious which toe it is. Uh, or, I mean, I know it's not a specific toe. It's your plantar fascial plate. But for, like for me... <laughs> 
when I had turf toe, not this matters, but like when I had turf toe, it was definitively on the inside of my arch and like I felt a pop and I immediately could not put any weight on it. I don't think that's Isaiah Pacheco's issue if he is still practicing this week because I was not walking for a week. He, he is practicing, but he's he's limited. That's okay. Limit him up. Shoot him up with the good, good stuff. I just had 500 milligrams of acetaminophen. I am sure he's got... So I, I had that as my pain meds where I am sure you know he is getting some of this magic mayo clinic i don't know secret medicine that the athletes get so just some things to watch on offense (laughs) yeah totally i think i think having pacheco um again indications is like what i'm hearing on the radio and what i'm seeing not a huge issue and like you said you shoot them up with all the acetaminophen or whatever the magic magic stuff you get the mail clinic i think he's going to be okay and something that we can really expose like like i talked about exposing those linebackers in coverage but also like their their run defense is not what it used to be and you and i talked about that in the previous podcast yes they have nick bosa yes they have fred warner but these are guys that are five years older than what they used to be when they did play us and we did beat them right they they did have a good defense at one time an elite defense at one time but again these guys are older and these guys got exposed by the Lions and the Packers who have the Lions great offense Packers were just figuring things out and almost beat the 49ers I mean this should be fun the 49ers defense allowed seven touchdowns this playoffs the Chiefs touchdown holy moly Chiefs defense has allowed seven touchdowns this playoff the difference being, really? we have played three games this playoffs, where the Niners have played two games this playoffs. We have played. Okay, I was going to say, I was like, why did we have played the number one, number four, and number six total offenses in the league? They have played the number three and the number eleven total offenses. So, yeah, Packers being that 11, does right? not bode well for their defense. Now, I will also say we cannot forget. This is not the Chiefs' offense of old. Am I still waiting for the other shoe to drop and for us to look like our regular season offense? Yes, I am absolutely sleeping Mm -hmm. with one eye open and waiting for something like that to happen in the playoffs. Could it happen? It might. Will it happen given how we've played the last three games? I'm sure hoping not. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't want to talk worst case scenario, but I will just just to prepare the fans. Like there, there is definitely a version of the Super Bowl where Chris McCaffrey has 150 yards, Brock Purdy scores a couple touchdowns, and uh, Patrick Mahomes has two interceptions because you know one was bobbled by Tony, one was bobbled by MVS. So there, there absolutely is a version of of the Super Bowl that we don't win, and maybe you know it's not a close game if we don't win. I don't know if that's very likely just because of the last couple of games that we've seen and them being very disciplined Patrick Mahomes not making any throws that seem to be you know out of reach for anyone Travis Kelsey getting you know eight to ten targets and just absolutely cooking which then allows for this one target for MVS that's 30 yards and ends up being successful um, but I think like you said, we're, we're crossing our fingers because, as we said, Reese and I have, you know, 17 games on the Fountain City Sports Media that we can talk about. And you can go back to our podcast and we talked about the same old thing. And we definitely have some PTSD from from the past 17 weeks of the regular season. Well, it's like and Shanahan's not dumb. If they're smart, they would look at what the sure. Bills ran against us. They would look at what the Ravens did not run against us. Or what the Ravens did in the fourth quarter. Like, honestly, it, it looked a little shaky on offense in the, the fourth. The big thing is they know they need to run against us. The big difference, though, between those two teams I just listed is we also had to look over our shoulder and watch for both of those quarterbacks to use their legs and punish us with their legs, mm-hmm. whereas that is not something with Brock Purdy. We, we also nope. had to keep watch because Josh Allen, as we know, can throw it to any spot in the football field with his howitzer arm. Lamar Jackson, not a great passer, but he can throw a deep ball. It's not like he's got a weak arm. And this year, particularly, Again, yeah. if Brock Purdy is going to deliver it cross field 35 yards plus down the field, that's probably <laughs> a lame luck. duck. I don't know what they're going to wind up doing offensively here. I think they're going to try and attack us with the run and get us on play action. But I think so long as we can be disciplined in play action, and like I said, force them into obvious passing downs, 
I think we have a good chance to slow them down. All right, Reese. I think I think we've talked about everything. I think we've covered the offense pretty well. We've covered our defense pretty well. Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy. It's time. Let's predict the Super Bowl scores. Reese, why don't you go first? So, I think it's funny that we've made it to the Super Bowl, and you could argue this is the weakest team we've had to play so far. I still think it's the Dolphins. I think where the Dolphins were at the end of the year is the weakest of the four teams we played. Yeah. At the very least, I think you can make the argument, given the one-on-one versus the Ravens, given where the Bills were at, this might be the second weakest team we've played in the playoffs. We Hmm. get a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. At quarterback, which you can't ask for much more than that in this day and age. Who is the next weakest quarterback to make a Super Bowl since Brock Purdy was there? Like uh, Stafford, Stafford, maybe? maybe Jimmy G. But Stafford's good. Stafford was pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. Forty Nine ers. Jared Jimmy G. Goff when they played the Patriots. I don't know. The one thing not. No, but Goff Goff was cooking though that year. Remember that that was the that was the Rams Mexico City game. Goff had like seven touchdowns. It's true. It's true. The one thing that I am really hoping isn't a case, as you might remember, before we lost the Super Bowl in the Bucks, it was like forty eight hours or twenty four hours before the game. Andy Reid had that heartbreaking thing where his son was drunk driving, hit that family. It was a disaster. Right. It was a tragedy. Mahomes' dad being arrested for a DUI right now, albeit this was over a week before the game, so Pat might have more time to mentally process it. And also, I believe he's been released. Well, that's good. Hopefully, that's not weighing on Pat's mind. But it does feel like a really bizarre parallel to what we ran into in 2020 against the Bucs. Same with us losing Joe Tooney. Same with Pacheco maybe being dinged up. I hope we don't go into this game re- just realizing how shorthanded we are in the run game and aspects of the offense, okay? That being Fair. said, I think it's going to be a real tight game. I want to believe the Chiefs have found a mojo, even if it's not we're going to drop 35-plus on you, but the team seems to be clicking at the right time on offense and defense, I would like to believe that if we play our game and they play their game, we win this one 24-23. Can you imagine that? Oh, I mean, I can't imagine that because the Eagles-Chiefs game was equally probably one of the greatest Super Bowls I've ever seen. Um, And just like a, you know, but uh, man, 24-23, one point game with like defenses just dominating that game. That'd that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, Reese, I'm going to take a page out of Oz the Mentalist. <laughs> have you <laughs> have you seen this video circulating? Is, isn't Oz the Mentalist the bad guy from The Watchmen? <laughs> it could be, actually. Maybe again, the, the name's wrong. But during Hard Knocks, Oz the Mentalist is this, like, Chris Angel mind freak type uh-huh. of guy. Um, predicts, you know, can read people's minds. And the very end of his spiel, he has McCole Hardman come out and he says, McCole, I want you to predict the uh, the uh, Super Bowl. Well, first I want to predict who you're going to be playing in the Super Bowl. And he said, we're going to be playing the San Francisco 49ers. And he says, okay, then then what score do you have? And McCole says 31-21. And the Oz, the mentalist, pulls out this thing. It says 49ers, Jets. 3121 and there's this big conspiracy online saying well well McColl was doing it based off of himself saying that you know it's my team that's going to the Super Bowl that's going to be playing the 49ers ah. so he so I I'm I'm going to say 3121 based on Oz the Mentalist if he predicts that this this dude is going to have his own show on you know in LA he's going to have his own Broadway show I mean it'd be absolutely bonkers if it happens but hey I'm going to I'm going to double down on this luck McColl Hardman and Oz Mentalist calling it 3121 and here's why Reese and then we can talk about how crazy that thing was Reese I think Christian McCaffrey is going to cook in the first quarter maybe even the second quarter but again even if he cooks 100 yards two touchdowns 
that's 14 points. That's only 14. Brock Purdy still has to see, still has to find a way. And I really think that we can contain Debo Samuel. I think we can contain Ayuk. I don't know if we can contain Kittle. I think Kittle's going to be the guy that might have the game. Mm-hmm. I think, especially in the middle, like we've talked about, if Bolden is there, if you know, if Willie Gay is there, both not very good in coverage. So Kittle could have a game. Fine. Kittle has a touchdown. McCaffrey has two. That's 21 points. I think this is the Isaiah Pacheco game. I think Isaiah finds a way to tap into this 49ers defense. I think he has one run for like 50 yards, just breaks it and just runs just like we saw David Montgomery do twice against the 49ers. And if you go back and look at one of those runs, that 49ers defense gave up. And and it's not because they don't have you know they don't have heart of course they want to win this game but they just aren't athletic when 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 a running back can break a couple tackles against the 49ers i don't know man i don't think it's close so i think isaiah has a big game i think kelsey has another 10 target 10 catch game for 115 yards i think rasheed rice has a couple you know ala debo samuel um screens yards after the catch amazing runs so reese i think with all that 31 21 definitive win for Patrick Mahomes, third championship, undoubted dynasty. We're the most hated team. Taylor Swift gives Travis Kelsey a kiss, and he gives her a ring. Man, I hate that I don't hate that score. I think the difficult time I'm having with it is I'm having a hard time seeing this offense putting up 31 points at this juncture in the season. It's true. Um, I, I will amend it. Hey, 20, 27 on the Bills. True. I will amend it to say this. I think that score can be real and the Chiefs can win this. But the two stipulations that have to happen is, A, we have to hit that magic 26-point threshold I've talked about for like the last five weeks. And, B, mm-hmm. we have to score a touchdown in the second half. I don't think we can win this one just kicking field goals all game again. We can't have three red zone trips and nine points or less. We have to get a touchdown in the second half to kind of keep that gap in distance. I don't want to go into this game like 2020 where it's like, we're going to win this. I'm excited. We're going to win this. Like It's going to have to go really bad for us to lose this. (laughs) But I'm excited that I can see a path for why this could work. So... Yeah, consider me the definition of cautiously optimistic going into this game. <laughs> well, hey, and look, you you had the uh, the uh, Ravens beating the Chiefs, but for for good for good reason. Like, look that that Ravens team beat us in the entire second half. I mean, maybe didn't beat us, but but contained us, right? Like, didn't let us score in that second half. Um, that was a very good Ravens team. So for you to be cautiously optimistic, again, this you you thought that that Ravens team was going to beat us. So I think this is pretty good for you, even Reese. I think I think things are looking good for and that us. That Ravens D is way better than this Niners D. I don't think this is a bad yeah. Niners. Yeah, D. no question, no question. Yeah, but this isn't a great Niners defense. Yeah, no, to, to end it, and just like we talked about last week, we saw the Ravens at their best. Just the weird thing that they didn't want to run the ball, but that defense was still really good. Like, like that defense is incredible, and we saw, you know, I know the Pro Bowl is stupid now, but, like, they all played in the Pro Bowl. They're, they were all there. I saw they're them They're younger, they're faster, they have more defensive playmakers than the 49ers do. The 49ers have dudes like Charvarius Ward, who we were happy to get rid of, and, like, that's their star tight or uh, star cornerback. And it's like... Are you sure it's a star yep. cornerback? Who can't? Who cannot play a man? He plays. He's the star cornerback because they play zone. They play that high shell where he has help. Do that. Anyway, we can probably do another another podcast and talk about that. Actually, a, a guy. I mean, he's much younger than me, but a guy from my former high school, Isaiah Oliver, is on the other side of uh, Charles Ward. Really. And I'm okay if he loses. Dude, tell him to sell, put some money on the game, and be like, yo, I'll split it with you, dog. <laughs> you know? Uh, like Kayshawn Booty, baby. Kayshawn Booty, man, place those bets. Let's go to Can't jail. Believe. <laughs> he, and he bet so much money. Oh, my goodness. Like, he was betting tens of thousands of dollars every game. Dude, did you hear the story about what went on at, like, it was like Tennessee baseball <laughs> or something like that? 
No. Oh my goodness. You know, I'll, I'll send you the story, but it's like one of the coaches for Alabama or Auburn or something like knew their pitcher was going to be out. So he tipped off this guy at Tennessee. The Tennessee guy like called his bookie and wanted to place like a hundred thousand dollar bet. And the guy's like, yo, I won't do over 10. And the guy's like, oh man, I'm going to win this for sure. If only you knew what I knew, like I'm going to win this for sure. And it's just like, dude, how dumb can you be? (laughs) Yeah. Also that and like 60 minutes just did this whole thing about, about gambling addiction and, I think uh, I think Fanduel's um, not not that gambling's ever going to go away, but I think there's going to be some like hardcore restrictions on on online gambling and like all these apps because there's because there's no restrictions, there's no regulation. You just kind of go for it. So I'm sure it's just it's just like everything else. It's it's like wild wild west, and then we find out that it got too wild, and then we got to bring it back so place those bets now everyone place place a bet on whether taylor swift is going to get proposed um on the uh on the 50 yard line because i think it, i think the prop bet is like minus 200 or something pretty good odds oh man that's not bad that's not bad <laughs> can you bet on the stone in the ring <laughs> i mean not on FanDuel, but I, there has to be a, I, I bet i bet there's like a taylor swift betting app yeah dhk to let us know <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today on this in-depth pod. We talked about pretty much everything that's going to happen, minus you know all the Taylor Swift stuff. Uh, but shout out to Taylor Swift for winning Album of the Year. That was pretty cool. So um, she wins Album of the Year. We'll see if her partner wins um, something similar to that in his field. Who knows? But thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this content, please donate on Patreon. Please follow us on Instagram. Um, we're going to need all of you to show up up on Sunday. Be loud. Be proud. Uh, thank you for joining us again. We're so happy to be Kansas City Chiefs fans. We're so happy to be rel- we are enjoying this moment. I mean that's why we love doing this podcast and, and we love we love you guys. We love that you guys are tuning in so thank you for being here. And now let's let's all get by our microphones. Let's all get by our our, um, our car speakers and let's do a big let's go Chiefs because this is the biggest one of the season. We're going to the Super Bowl baby and we need all of you to scream after this so here we go a three two one three two one let's go, go chiefs i'm in a hotel so i can't really scream but hopefully the elongation of it helped keep it down over there peace out it's <laughs> my monitor off <laughs>